Yo, yo, yo. What's happening, y'all? This is Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. I'm Bree. I'm Wade. And we're going to talk about some gnarly shit. Some gnar-gnar shit. Yeah. And I wanted to give a shout-out to Catherine Nicole off the top. She gave us a recommendation on Facebook, and it was very sweet. We love you, Catherine. Fuck yeah, Catherine. Fuck yeah, Catherine. And I'm going to do it at the beginning so you can't fast-forward through it. And in the podcast, please friend us on Facebook. Please send us messages. Please email us. Please like us. Make us feel special. Or hated. Make us feel something. No, I don't (laughs) want that. People are mean enough. That's true. (laughs) Give us nice, nice words, kind words. It means a lot. That literally made my whole day when I saw that recommendation. So, again, thank you, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you. So, we went to a fall festival today. Yes, it was fun. I thought it was pretty fun. It was very small. Well, Oakhurst isn't very big. True. Well, then, yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> that ain't that big. It, it does. I saw my favorite little human in the world, little Pistol P. Oh, Penelope P. She's so cute. What else? What else has been happening? Nothing, really. I start my Work. first day tomorrow in a new division. Yep, that you do. Exciting. I think it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We've gotten this far and we didn't say what we were going to talk about. Oh, lesser known celery little killers. Celery killers. Celery killers. Celery killers. I mean, I hate celery too, so I can get behind that. Cereal killers. So people who have killed a lot of people but aren't very famous for it. Yeah. And I think my guy is kind of famous, but not really. You don't really like when you think of Ted Bundy, Bundy and fucking John Wayne Gacy. You cannot I cannot talk, talk right John now. Wayne Gacy. Glacy is what I Enrique and Glacy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, you don't really think of his name when you think of all those bigger guys. I think that was the point. So. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to call it lesser known serial killers, though. Yeah. But that's what came to mind when you asked me the question because it put me on the spot. We'll think of something. Yeah. It'll come. So I had a very long week and realized an hour before we started recording that I did no background. Nice. So there's that. But when you really think about it, I guess there's not a whole lot of background I can do on lesser known serial killers unless it's on serial killers. the serial killers that are lesser known, which is the point of the whole episode so i'm gonna give myself a pass on that one but i do have a pretty crazy and recent story can i go first sure all right Uh, because i uh, mean i hope you have more than one page of notes uh uh-huh cool you only have one page of notes yeah dudes yeah you suck i okay you suck i got some of his prison time shit too good job thanks that's called research. It is, and I got a page of research. You did a whole page. I think I did like five. Yay! Way <laughs> to fucking hold this together. Uh, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so, like I said, recent case. Why do you keep pointing at the screen? Because we're way too close to the mic. 
Hey, that's better than not being able to hear us. Just turn the motherfucker down. Okay. <laughs> I'm like trying to talk and he's like making hand gestures and like pointing at the computer screen and making like waves with his hand basically telling me to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Never! Quiet. Never. <laughs> Quiet. You're welcome. Okay. I did my case today on shit stain Samuel Little. Shit stain Samuel Little. Okay. Ever heard of him? Nope. He's a shit stain. Is this the name that you gave him? Shit stain is Samuel Little is his legal name. Shit stain is the nickname you gave him. Yes. Okay. He is a shit fucking stain. You will gotcha. see. Gotcha. Um, he was born on June seventh, nineteen forty, in Reynolds, Georgia. And he claimed in interviews with the FBI that his mother was a prostitute, but I couldn't actually, like, substantiate that anywhere. It's just something that he said. Substantiate? Substantiate. That's a word. I know. Just the way you said it. I've had some wine today. Some. (laughs) Just some. Just some. So, mother may or not be a prostitute. There's no way to know. He was moved as a young boy to Lorraine, Ohio, where he was raised primarily by his grandmother. Um, So whatever was happening with his mom, she wasn't really in a great place to take care of him. So grandma took over. By middle school, Little was struggling with academics as well as discipline, so he was a little fucking shit stain from the time he was a little kid. Gotcha. He was always in the principal's office, always getting in trouble. Boys will be boys. I'm going to punch you in the face. Um, I hate that saying. I hate that saying. He also was failing out of all of his classes. So Of course he was. There's that. At age 16, starting young, he was arrested and charged with breaking and entering a property in Omaha, Nebraska. I feel like that's really young to start doing that shit. Or am I just naive? 16, I guess. He's a teenager. He can barely drive. Yeah. I don't know. So as a result of this arrest, he was sent to a juvenile detention center. So he'll be like a Carl and Shameless and come out with fucking yeah. <laughs> cornrows. And, uh, nobody's going to get that reference. Fast forward to Little's late 20s. At this point, he moved to Florida to live with his mother. So he had gotten out of the juvenile detention center. Found, refound a connection with his mom, who happened to be in Florida at the time, so they were like, hey, let's move in together. Great idea. Stop reading ahead in my notes. Mm, sorry. <laughs> um, while he was living out in Florida with his mom, he worked at a cemetery. Whoa. Which, you have an antidote on that. Yeah. Can you please tell a little bit about working at that cemetery really quick, because you have some crazy stories. No. We'll just make an episode of it. No, we can't make a whole episode. Go. Tell 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's nothing really to say, just tools being moved back to the shed when you literally just brought them out and shit pretty much just getting brought back to wherever you checked it out of. And there was one time a cop pulled up and asked me a couple questions. And then like 10 minutes later, I saw another cop and he asked me the same exact questions and come to find out that the cop that I was talking to the first time is was a ghost. wasn't really a person. He wasn't alive. Spooky ooky. Yep, crazy shit. And which cemetery was this? One in San Luis Obispo. I'm not going to name names. What? Mm-hmm. It almost seemed like the ghost was trying to be helpful, though. Like he was putting your shit back in your shed or trying to fuck with you. I think, I don't know. I think it was. 
I don't know what it was. I have no idea. Did you feel like anger towards it or from I it? I was always so tired that I didn't really. You worked through the night, huh? Mm-hmm. This man literally dug graves. Amazing. Fluff graves. It's same thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually have to. I just plotted where they needed to go and fluffed them out. I legitimately dig them for them to be like occupied in the next seven days or anything <laughs> like that. So that made me feel a little better. I feel like you waited to tell me that because you thought it was weird. And then you actually told me that. And I was like, that's so amazing. Tell me all of it. It was weird. I was only there for like two months, three months or something like that. Maybe still really cool. So back to the story. Back to it. This guy was a cemetery worker, just like good old Wade over here. Uh, he was also what he described as a ambulance attendant. I don't know what the fuck that means. Mm. I don't know if it's an EMT or he, like, tended to the ambulances when they came out. I don't know. He's an ambulance attendant. So he had some weird, some weird jobs going on when he was in Florida. Go figure. By his own account, Little then began traveling more widely and had more run-ins with the law. No shit. This man has been arrested at this point in eight different states for crimes like DUI, fraud, shoplifting, solicitation, robbery, aggravated assault, and rape. Bad men. In his confessions with the FBI, little, uh, there's soy sauce all over my paper because the power was out when I was taking these notes and I was trying to eat sushi at the same time mm. by candlelight and it's just, it's disgusting. In his confessions with the FBI... <laughs> Squirrel. Little stated that while in prison, he picked up kickboxing because what the fuck else are you going to do? This motherfucker actually had the nerve to claim that he was a, quote, prized fighter. Nice. You fought in prison. Mm -hmm. I don't think that constitutes a prized fighter, but you do you. All right. Um, oh, I hear all the doggies. Just one doggie. Just one doggy, the little clack-clack of the clack, nails, clack, and my nails. dad going, shh, because he knows we're recording. Thanks, Dad. Uh, in 1961, Little was arrested again for B&E in Lorraine, so the same place. He was released in 1964 for that breaking and entering crime. By 1975, Little had been arrested another whopping 26 times. Damn. That's a lot. These crimes included assault, theft, fraud, attempted rape, and the best one, attacks on government officials. Wow. What, the f what did he do? I have no idea. I tried so hard to figure it out. This case is still new. The details are coming out from FBI. So if anybody out there has any details on this like early arrest from him, I want to know. That sounds like fun. I can't even imagine. Maybe it's just like, maybe it was a government... Well, no. Government official is someone actually working for the government is could that be like just somebody that's not in politics but who else i don't know what does that constitute government official i have no idea uh, judge maybe okay all right that that kind of makes sense um these arrests happened in 11 different states so so on top of the eight original you got caught in three new states? No, eight plus 11. Oh. Yeah. So 27 oh. different states now. Yeah. This dude was a floater. Eight plus 11? Yeah. 
It's 27? Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. 19. <laughs> 26 different crimes, 19 <laughs> different states. Whoopsie. <laughs> and I was a finance manager or for count, like nine or years. counties or whatever. States. Yeah. 19. 19. 19. 19. 19 different states. Very nice. So we're going to get in a time machine. We're going to fast cool. forward a little bit. That's my time machine noise. Now it's 1982, and Little's crimes start really progressing from fucking rape and fraud and assault. How old is he? So, when was he born? 40s. So he was born in 1940, and now it's 1982, so he's 42. Right? I can do math, right? Sure. Yeah, that's right. Don't make me second guess Mm -hmm. myself. 42. He was charged with the murder of a 22-year-old young woman from Pascagoula, Mississippi. Ooh. I know. That's fun to say. Yeah, that's a cool name. Pascagoula. Her name was Melinda LaPree. Although he was charged, a grand jury failed to indict him on the charges. After this failed indictment, Little was then transferred to Florida to be tried for another murder of another young woman. Her name was Patricia Mount, and she was 26 years old. Again, and this is right after, right after he was transferred immediately, Little somehow evaded capture. Due to mistrust of witness testimony, he was acquitted of these charges in January 1984 as well. What? Luckiest motherfucker alive. Yeah. And I can only assume, I don't know for sure, because there's still not a whole lot of details out about this case, but my thought is that the witness testimony that he was acquitted, probably in both situations, it was likely a sex worker or a homeless individual that was testifying. Mm -hmm. Um, I came to the conclusion because Little specifically sought out women who are called less than dead. Have you heard that term? Mm-hmm. So like sex workers, yeah. homeless people, people that no one's really looking for or quote unquote care about. So I, I just feel like maybe the people testifying actually saw what happened and were testifying truthfully, but then the, you know, jury was looking at them and yeah. 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 So he got off both times. He decides now to move to San Diego, California. In October 1984... Little is arrested once again. Surprise, surprise. He was being arrested for the kidnapping, beating, and strangling of 22-year-old Laurie Barrows, who fucking survived. Fuck yeah. She lived. They found and arrested Little for this crime at the same location as the Barrows attack. And he just so happened to have a beaten and unconscious woman in the back of his car with him when they came to arrest him at the same location that he had his last attack on that woman. Idiot. So I don't know how this dude keeps getting away with shit because he's a fucking idiot, but he does. And it's because of the women he's choosing and how often he's a transient. Mm-hmm. It's like the perfect concoction. or the Yeah, I guess you could say perfect concoction for a serial killer. He served a whopping two and a half years for both of these crimes. Gotta love the U.S. justice system. Duh. Two and a half years. This girl, these girls were beat the fuck up. One was murdered, one wasn't. 
Or no, no, neither of them died. Yeah, neither of them died. Because the girl, the second girl was just unconscious in his car. Yeah. She was, like, saved. So nobody died. But still, he would have killed her. Yep. That girl would have been dead. Crazy. He was released in February 1987 for these crimes and immediately moved to L.A. and committed more than 10 additional murders once he got out because of all this, like, pent-up energy and rage he had. Now we're going to fast forward again. It's September 5th, 2012. So a little bit more recent. Little is arrested at a homeless shelter in Louisville, Kentucky. DNA evidence linked him to three murders. Carol Elford, Guadalupe Apodaca, and Audrey Nelson. All three women's bodies were found on the streets of Los Angeles between the years 1987 and 1989. At this point, once he's arrested, he was extradited from Kentucky to L.A., where he was charged for all three murders on January 7, 2013. Um, within months, Little was being investigated for his involvement in dozens of other murders committed throughout the 1980s. The Lepre murder was reopened, the like first one he was acquitted for, at this time as well, thank God. And Little was tested for over 60 murders during this time, uh, forensically, with DNA evidence. On September 25th, 2014, he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison for the murders of Elford, Nelson, and Apodaca. So those are the three he was initially arrested for when he was at that homeless shelter. Mm. Now it's November 9th, 2019, or 2018, excuse me. And he confesses to the fatal strangulation of Melissa Thomas. So he's, you know, confessing to another murder now. I'm super uncomfortable. Hold on. Ugh! Ugh! Uh, I'm so old. Okay, hopefully you guys can still hear me. Um, let's see. So he confessed to that new murder. Now it's November 18th, 2018, so nine days later. And Little was charged for the murder of Denise Brothers, so a separate case. And received another life sentence in December 2018. So shit's just starting to, like, trickle oh, down. Man. Yeah, and come out for this guy. During this time, the actor County, which is in Texas, DA, announced the other dozens of murders Little confessed to, stating he may be responsible for over 90 murders across 14 states between 1970 and 2005. Uh, 93 in total. That's a lot. Yeah. So if that's true, he is quite literally the most prolific serial killer in the history of the fucking world. Yeah. Like, that is a fuck ton. That is literally the definition of a fuck ton. And go, like, Google a picture of this guy because he looks like a dipshit. Or check it out on Facebook, on our Facebook. Actually, that's better. We'll post pictures of him and go look at it there on Instagram. Hey. Nicely done. Little began making all of these confessions after striking up a deal to be transferred out of the L.A. State Prison to a nicer prison. A nicer one? Is that a thing? Are yeah. prisons nicer than others? I guess. Why? I don't know. Different amenities. Or maybe he was getting into shit at this prison and, like, scared. Probably. And wanted to leave. It's most of the time what it is. So basically he was like, I have life in prison. Mm. I'm going to die in here. I'd like some perks and to be in a nicer facility. I'll tell you about all these horrific murders I committed if you fucking oblige me and move me to a nicer spot. Is literally what happened. 
And which I mean, it it's good. I'm glad they struck up the deal because these families deserve closure. And like, I think all of this is good. But this guy is just a fucking prick. Yeah, he's just an asshole. He's old, or that's just what I wrote in my notes. He's old and going to die in jail anyway and really has nothing to lose, which is true. Doing these confessions gets him out of Gen Pop. Plenty of, you know, social interaction, special treatment. They give him coffee. They give him fucking cigarettes. He's not sitting in his jail cell. He's let out. He's talking to people. It's excitement for him, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Which pisses me off more. It has also been stated that this man has a photographic memory. So that's why, you know, the FBI was questioning that he remembers all 93 of these murders, but he literally has, like, shit down to the detail that he can remember. That's, yeah. Do you know what it's like to have photographic memory, babe? Mm-hmm. What? Crazy. Tell everybody. Tell everybody what? Tell everybody how I set my keys in my phone town 17 million times a day and go, babe, where is it? And he goes, meow, into his little mind and sees his picture. And he's like, it's by the oven. Doesn't really work that way. Just That's how it works. Nope, just see things differently. That's all. Face he it. literally has like a "That's so Raven" moment and puts like his fingers up to his <laughs> temples and is like, <laughs> "Sure, <laughs> yeah, I like that thought. That's good." You should start doing that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so anytime somebody's doing that, it's because they have a photographic memory and they're missing something, so they're finding it. What? Crazy. <laughs> you do find all my shit, so that's good. Yeah. Unless you would find my shit that I'd lose. I can't even find my shit. <laughs> so, fo- this dude has a photographic memory. He can remember... Remember finite... Like, he can remember. He can remember finite details from, you know, every single murder he's con- committed and event and remember where the bodies are and all that good shit. He's drawn pictures of some of his victims for investigators to help solve his crimes. So, there's people like... He didn't know their names or whatever, but he was able to recall from memory. And he's an artist as well and draw very lifelike, unique pictures of all these different women. Like, they all look very different and they all look very individualized. Insane. The FBI is asking the public to view these sketches because all of this shit, like, FBI just released that they're suspecting him in 93 murders and they've linked him to 60 murders. So all of this info is really, really new. Um, all of these sketches that I'm talking about are located at fbi.gov forward slash news forward slash stories forward slash little or sorry forward slash Samuel dash little. So that's fbi.gov slash news slash stories slash Samuel dash little. So if you guys have the time, go take a look at all of those photos. See if you recognized anyone. All of these women are from all over the country. Um, so you never know. I took the time and I looked at them and this dude was actually a very talented artist. I was pretty like blown away by how lifelike and realistic these pictures were. So hopefully they can, you know, help solve some of these crimes. There's also an FBI hotline you can call with any information you have regarding the case at 1-800-225-5324. If you know something, say something, homie. See something, say something. Know something, say something. Yep. Hmm. And that is shit-stained Samuel Little. Damn. Yeah, he's a dick. He is. Sounds like he is. Fuck that guy. So, when I was doing the research for my guy... Whoa. 
What? That first sentence. Sorry, continue. Oh. Um, <laughs> I started with the story, and I had already gotten the story done pretty much. And I wanted to go back and kind of do a background of his life. But he was convicted of these crimes at, like, 16, and he committed his first crime at 13. And I couldn't really find a lot of background on him because he skipped out on the court-ordered psychiatric testing and counseling. We didn't do this in the Killer Kids episode? No. Okay. Craig Price? Yeah. That no. name sounds really familiar. Nope. Craig Price uh, stabbed four of his neighbors, and like I said, he was only 13 when he committed his first murder. So uh, he committed all of his crimes in Warwick, Rhode Island between the ages of 13 and 15. He was arrested in 1989 for the four murders committed in his neighborhood. A woman and her two daughters the year of 89 and he murdered another woman two years earlier. Babe, I did this case. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I did this for Killer Kids. No, you didn't. I did. Craig Price? Yeah. No. We need to have an intermission, so we're going to go ahead and pause I this real quick and I 100% guarantee you didn't do Craig Price. Ah. So, Wade's a big fat wiener, and you 100% did do a case I did, so... Yes. Yes, I did. So now we're back, and I have a new case about John Edwards Robinson. There we go. Yay! He's called the Internet Slave Master. Oh, shit. Yeah. His classification is a serial killer, so he did kill more than three people in three different locations, or whatever the classification for serial killers. Yeah. And, uh... His date of, like, the murders was from 84, 1984 to 2000. He was arrested June, June 2nd of 2000. And his victims are Paula Godfrey, 19. Lisa, I still don't know how to say this last name. Stacy, Stacy. Um, She's 19. Stasi. Stasi. Uh, Catherine Clampett, 27. Sheila Dale Faith, 45, and her daughter, Debbie Lane Faith, 15, Isabel Lewicka, Lewicka, 21, Beverly Boner, 49, Boner? Uh, Bonner, sorry. Man. I'm sorry. Sorry, Beverly Boner, uh, Bonner, 49. What is your deal? I don't know. Bonner. Uh, Su- uh, how do you say this one? Suzette. Suzette, 28, and... Uh, Suzette. Troughton. Troughton, sorry. And he was sentenced to death in Kansas on January 21st, 2003. Good. Die, motherfucker, yeah, die, but motherfucker, there's die. there's some stuff to that. So Robinson was born... Hold on. My notes freaked out on me. He was born in... How do you say this one? Serena? C... Illinois. Cicero? Cicero? C-I-C-E-R-O. I've never Illinois, the third of five children to an alcoholic father and a disciplinary mother. In 1957, he became an Eagle Scout, which actually me and my dad are Eagle Scouts. Is Cody an Eagle Scout? Uh, I don't think so, no. I don't think... Actually, yeah, he didn't. He did get his badge, yeah. And that's like the highest one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... With him becoming Eagle Scout, he actually traveled to London with his group, with the Scouts group, and Ooh. they performed in front of uh, Queen Elizabeth II. What the fuck did they perform? 
I don't know. Well, Tying knots. Line? What, really? I'm kidding. I don't know. They probably <laughs> did their, like, Boy Scout, uh, the anthem and stuff like that. There's an anthem? Yeah, there's a bunch of shit that oh, you do. Fancy. Yeah. Uh, they only had a Boy Scouts of America at Pine Ridge mm-hmm. Elementary School. No Girl Scouts, so I wasn't allowed. That's crazy. And then I guess later that year, he enrolled in a, like, so all private boys schooled for inspiring priests, but oh. he dropped out a year later mm. due to, or he was actually kicked out a year later due to disciplinary issues. Did it specify? No, it didn't really specify. Mm. So in uh, 61, after school and stuff, he enrolled at Morton Junior College in the same town that he grew up in, Sereno, Sereno, to become an x-ray technician, and then he actually dropped out there after two years then he moved in 64 to kansas city and married uh nancy joe lynch and they i believe both of them are 21 at the time and they had their first kid in uh 65 and then they had twins christopher and christine in 1971 Robertson's first arrest was in Kansas City in 1969 after embezzling $33,000 from a medical practice of Dr. Wallace Graham, where he was an te- uh, x-ray technician. How? Yeah. That was a job that he obtained using forged uh, credentials. <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. So he served, he, his sentencing was three years probation. Like a Mac master fraudster. Right. And then in 1970... Hold on, sorry. God damn it. I went way too far down. It's been a long day. In 1970, he uh, violated probation by moving to uh, Chicago. Try town. Yep. Without his probation officer's knowledge, uh, like, at all. And he took a job as an insurance salesman at R.B. Jones Company. And then in 71, he was arrested again for embezzlement from that firm <laughs> and ordered back to Kansas City where his probation was extended. No jail time. Yeah. So in 75, it was extended again after another arrest. Holy shit. This time on charges of security fraud and mail fraud in connection to a phony medical consulting company he had formed in Kansas City. Holy shit. Yeah, this dude was fucking crazy. Oh my god. During this period, he cultivated and maintained an outward appearance of a personable, community-minded citizen and family man. Yeah, this dude was fucking crazy. He was a goddamn baseball coach and a Sunday school teacher. And a scoutmaster. And a scoutmaster. That's crazy. Yeah, which I guess makes sense because he is an Eagle Scout. So Still, you killed people and then you're watching over people's kids. It's weird. Yeah. So in uh, 77, he talked his way into the board of directors at a local charitable organization. And he forged series of letters from the executive director of that like organization to the mayor of Kansas City. And from the mayor to civil leaders commending him for his generous volunteer uh voluntary volunt what good fuck efforts and volunteer efforts volunteer efforts and generally signing him like giving him praise so he forged that whole string of people? yeah he forged all that shit he's like an og catfish <laughs> exactly that's amazing and horrible but crazy that he took that much time okay yeah. but then he eventually named himself 
the organization's man of the year and threw himself an awards luncheon in his honor. This dude's fucking nuts. <laughs> he went all and out. And people came? Yeah. Lots of people came. <laughs> oh my god. Weird, right? Dude is nuts, so. And he just gets on stage and he's like, hi, it's <laughs> me. It's me. I win. Like, what the fuck? I'm the first man of the year of this whole organization. I don't get it. I just made this up, so be happy. I just decided just now. Yep. Five days ago, when I started planning this party, I needed something to plan it for. So, we're celebrating this? Wow. Yep. And then 79, Robinson finally completed probation. But by 1980, was under arrest again on multiple charges, including embezzlement, check fraud. Fucking uh, stop. <laughs> Just make money the old-fashioned way. Yeah, Holy for which shit. he only served 60 days in jail in 82. Oh, my. That's why he keeps doing it. Yep. So then he formed another bo- a bogus bi- business and swindled his friend out of $25,000, who was, in, was hoping to receive a fast investment in return to pay for his dying wife's health care. Holy shit. Yeah. And at this time, also, his neighbor's wife's reported uh, reported that he was trying to like sexually advance on them like seduce them which caused a fight with one of the husband or with one of the wife's husbands and he got into like a fist fight in the fucking neighborhood okay so yeah. he was just he like just falling tra- apart yeah he was just going after every guy every guy's girl and fucking and he shit. wasn't married at this time yeah he was oh good yeah. good so uh he actually joined like this secret Sadomas- wow. Sadomasochism cult? Thank you. That's a thing? Yeah, I guess, which is called the Intern- er, yeah, called the International Cult of Masters. And he became the slave master in there, which his duties included luring victims to the gatherings to be tortured and raped by cult members. Oh my fucking god. Yeah. This is a horror movie. Right. It's fucking gnarly, dude. Oh it's crazy. My god. And in 84, uh, having started two more fraudulent shell companies, I'm not going to name them off. Shell companies? Yeah. Just pretty much companies that don't really exist and he could funnel money through and shit like ah. that uh robertson hired paula godfrey 19 as a sales rep and uh, godfrey told friends and family that robertson was sending her away for training after hearing nothing further from her godfrey's parents filed a missing re- persons report police questioned robertson who denied any knowledge of her whereabouts several days later they received a typewritten letter from God, uh, with Godfrey's signature on the bottom stating that she was thankful for Robertson's help, that she was okay, and that she did not want to see her family. The investigation was terminated as Godfrey what? was of legal age and there was no evidence of Ron doing. No trace of Paula Godfrey was ever found. It was a typewritten letter. <laughs> yeah. But it had her signature. So fucking what? Oh my god, that makes me so mad. Yeah. So and again in or then in eighty five Robertson using the name John Osborne met Lisa Stacy and her four month old daughter Tiffany. So talking about this case here, this whole thing it there's a whole nother case deal with this. Okay. Like just wait until I finish reading about this. It's fucking this is fucking gnarly. So 
Tiffany was the daughter's name. And, uh, sorry, Tiffany wasn't the daughter's name. Yeah, four-month-old daughter Tiffany. Oh, sorry. I have no idea. They were both at a battered woman's shelter in Kansas City. Thank you. (laughs) He promised her a job in Chicago and and an apartment and daycare for her baby and asked her to sign several sheets of blank stationery like paper. Oh, no. A few days later, Robertson contacted his brother and sister-in-law who had been unable to adopt a baby through traditional channels and informed them that he knew of a baby whose mother had committed suicide and for a $5,500 fee to an imaginary lawyer, Don and Helene Robertson, or Helen, sorry, not Helene, Robertson received Tiffany Stacy. Oh, my God. Whose identity was confirmed by DNA testing in 2000. Oh, she didn't even know. Nope. She was like 16 or 15 when she found out. Oh, my God. And But she, like, in the articles that I was reading, was like, yeah, I knew Uncle John was a creep. Like, he creeped me out since I was a kid and, like, shit like that. Yeah. And a set of uh, authentic appearing adoption paperwork with the forged signatures of two lawyers and a judge... And Lisa Stacy was never heard from again. Just disappeared. Yeah. How is he getting rid of these bodies that they're just never found? You'll find out here. Uh oh. Yeah, it's pretty. This shit is pretty gnarly, and that's why I kind of didn't like get into uh, Lisa Tiffany's and that whole case because I had a lot of shit going on in this already. <laughs> yeah. So, and then in '87, uh, Catherine Clamp. 27, left her child with her parents in Wichita Falls, Texas, and moved to Kansas City to find employment. She was hired by Robertson, who reportedly promised her uh, executive traveling and a new wardrobe. Creep. Yeah. She vanished in June of that year. Her missing persons case remains open. Holy shit. Yeah. This shit was crazy. So from 87 to 93, Robertson was actually incarcerated. First in Kansas from 87 to 91 on multiple fraud convictions and thereafter in Missouri for other fraud convictions and parole violations. Fitting. Yeah. At Western uh, Missouri Correctional Facility, he met and integrated himself with a 49-year-old Beverly Bonner. There you go. The prison librarian. Librarian. Yeah. Librarian, huh? Yeah. Librarian. Librarian. What did I say? <laughs> librarian. Librarian. Oh, librarian. <laughs> Sorry. Who, upon his relief, uh, release, left her husband and moved to Kansas to work for him. Okay. After Robertson arranged for Bonner's alimony checks to be forwarded to Kansas post office. Like a Kansas, like a P.O. box. Okay. Her family never heard from her again. For several years, Bonner's mother continued forwarding her checks, and Robertson continued cashing them. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's it's sad, dude. It's, it's crazy. This fool got away with it for so long, too. By now, Robertson had discovered the internet and roamed <laughs> various social networking sites using the name Slave Master, looking for women who enjoyed playing the submissive partner role during sex. 
The first victim he met online was Sheila Faith, 45, whose 15-year-old daughter, Debbie, was confirmed to, or confined, sorry, to a wheelchair due to spinal bifida. Spinal bifida. Goddamn, I cannot talk or read. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He portrayed himself as a wealthy man who would uh, support them, paying for Debbie's therapy and giving Sheila a job. And in 94, they moved from Fullerton, California to Kansas City, and immediately they disappeared. <sighs> yeah. Robertson cashed Fate's pr- uh, pension checks for the next seven years. Of course he fucking did. Yeah. I hate this guy. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, gradually, Robertson became a well-known... Robinson. Roberts, Robertson became well-known in the increasingly popular BDSM online chat rooms. Fun. Fucking weird. No, okay. Kinks are fine. Don't kinks, kink shame. No, but, like, that was where he went to. That's what's weird. That's, That's what's weird. the weird part, not, not BDSM. the kink part. I don't give a fuck Yeah, BDSM. not the kink part, but that yeah. is weird <sighs> that he's, like, preying on... It's just... Yeah. So, in uh, 99, he offered Isabel Lewica, I'm pretty sure that's how you say her last name, 21 Polish immigrant living in India, or Indiana. <laughs> two very different <laughs> two places. Two very different places, I'm so sorry. Uh, he offered her a job and a, like, bondage relationship so she could be, you know, in the States legally. So, like, two and one. Two and yeah. one, yeah, pretty much. And then uh, when she moved to Kansas City... The still married Robinson gave her an engagement ring, brought her to the county registry where they paid for a marriage license that was never picked up, and it was unclear unclear whether uh, Isabel actually believed that they were married, but oh. she did tell her parents that they were. She just never told them her husband's name. Okay. And she did sign a one fifteen item, which is like a. I don't know, like, it's pretty much, they're calling it a slave contract. All the rules. Yeah, all the rules that pretty much said that, you know, Robertson pretty much had total control over her life, and yeah. including, like, bank account, all that shit. Yeah. So during the summer of 99, she disappeared, and Robertson held, uh, told a web designer he employ, uh, that he employed that she had began, began, like, smoking pot and got deported. <coughs> Okay. Yeah. So that was like his alimony for why she was gone because she got deported. Yeah. But uh, about the time of Isabel's disappearance, Robertson was convicted of... You can keep saying Robertson, but it's Robinson, right? What did I say? Robertson. Oh, Robinson. Sorry. Robinson. Robinson. My bad. Convicted a, a lonely licensed nurse by day and submissive slave by night named Suzette Trunton. Right? Yeah. Trunton. She moved from Michigan to Kansas so they could travel the world together. Okay. Yeah. Suzette's mother received several typed letters and pretty much all the letters are saying that they're abroad and they're having a good time. The envelopes were stamped with Kansas City postmarks, though. Okay. So the mom was kind of, like, iffy about it. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. And later, Robinson told <laughs> Suzette's mother she had run off with uh, somebody that was stealing money from him. 
That's an acquaintance that was stealing money from him. It's random. This story was a little bit different. That he was pretty much like trying to blame like his partner and that he was going under and that his life was all messed up and like shit like that. He stole my girl. Yeah, shit like that. So he was trying to play like the victim card for the whole thing. Convenient. It really was. It was kind of. It was pretty sad. And that was another one that I didn't really want to get into because that one was kind of a big deal with this whole case as well so i just totally lost my place i don't know where i was reading from i'm so sorry but like other celery uh cereal cereal yeah celery Celery killers killers. robin sin (laughs) became increasingly careless over time and he did a very poor job covering his checks by 99 he actually uh Attracted the attention of authorities in both Kansas City and Missouri as his name cropped up in more and more missing person investigations. So he was like a person of interest. Exactly. So he was arrested in uh, June of 2000. I think it was June 2nd, 2000. At his farm near... I'm going to butch the hell out of this. La Kaigin? Where? I have no idea. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it's some Wait, farm he, in Kansas. He's a, f- he's a farm owner. He has I don't, a farm. I don't like a, where yeah. this is going. After two women filed sexual battery complaints against him, a task force searched or searching his uh, premises found decaying bodies of two women later identified as Isabel and Suzette in 85-pound chemical drums. Oh, yeah. oh no. And then across state lines in Missouri, another member of the task force searching a storage facility that he had, like, rented garages at, found three similar chemical drums containing corpses that were identified as Beverly, Sheila, and Debbie. All five women were killed in the same exact way, approximately one to two blows to the head. Can you imagine being that CSI team? Oh, that would have been horrible. Oh, my God. I, I, yeah. Wow. So, in 2002, he was sentenced to death in Kansas for the murder of uh, Trenton and Luika. Kill him. Yep. And life imprisonment for killing uh, Stacy because she was murdered before Kansas reinstated the death penalty. Okay. So, uh, so he could become... He could ha- he could actually could have became the first convicted serial killer in the state of Kansas to die by lethal injection. Could have been. Damn. Yeah. So Robinson faced uh, a complex legal dilemma in Missouri because prosecutors were really like pushing, pushing, pushing on additional murder charges based on like the evidence that was discovered in Missouri. Okay. And. Robinson's Robinson's attorneys didn't want that extradition because Missouri is, or not Missouri, sorry, Kansas is more aggressive on the capital punishment case. Okay, that or makes sense. Pun- punishment case is. Yeah. So, and that would make you know it would have went down to him getting the death penalty, pretty much. But however, uh, Chris Coaster, the Missouri uh, prosecutor offered a plea bargain that Robinson's uh, like would lead authorities to the body of Stacy Godfrey or Paula Godfrey and Kath, uh, Catherine Clampett since you know since doing so would have pretty much 
he would have been a mission of guilt. Well, yeah, he knows where the exactly. bodies are decaying. Yeah. And that could have been used against him in Kansas, so that's why he was kind of like, you know, he pretty much refused to do that. So they wanted to give those families justice and closure and were basically As well like, as catch him. Pretty much if right. he admitted to that and then like, yeah, I'll do that, then that's a mission of guilt and he would have been charged in Missouri or Kansas for death penalty. Okay. And then uh, pretty much what the whole thing was was Chris Coster, the prosecutor for Missouri, was really like he was facing a lot of pressure because the case was you know technically not airtight because there's a lot of there was no evidence that actually indicated the murders had happened in Missouri's jurisdiction. Oh, so they didn't even know. Yeah. Okay. So when it became uh, when it became clear that the women's remains would never be found without hit like Robertson's cooperation. A compromise of sorts, I guess, was kind of reached. A carefully scripted plea in October of 2003 for the death... Sorry. In 2003, Robertson acknowledged... Robinson! Robinson acknowledged only that Coster had enough evidence to convict him of capital murder for the deaths of Godfrey, Campit, Bonner, and Fates, though his statement was technically a guilty plea and was accepted in Missouri court as one, they still didn't specify like acceptance and responsibility of those crimes. So they just, he got convicted of them. Yeah, he got convicted of them, but he didn't get the death penalty, and he's still in prison. Good. Yeah. I hate him. It's fucking yeah. Thanks. Fuck him. I hate it. He Great. sucks. He does suck. Yeah. Fuck him. I hope he has to eat a big fat dick every single day. Yep. And not like it. Yep. And uh, I suck, so sorry about that whole thing about doing a case that Bree had done. And me being <laughs> like, I 100% know that you did not do that. I am leaving that in, too. That's amazing. And then it just cuts to me being like, Wade's a big fat wiener. There was totally like an hour or two in between us stopping and starting again, so you're welcome. You're welcome for what? For me doing my research again and coming up with a good case. Duh. That was a great case. It was way better than yours. It was really, really good. I have to say, I, I really liked that one. It was better. It I was pretty good. So we already went over social media and all that crap, but I guess she could go over it again because I know we have like two more people that are barely listening all the way through. You know what I'm saying? It's super easy. It's Insta, the gram. It's Facebook. It's Gmail. Booze, BS, and true crime at gmail.com. Hit it up. Send us stories. Yep. Like us and stuff. Do the share and do the, the social media shit. Do you guys it. know what to do, you know millennials. What to do. You got it. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, thanks.